to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In today's episode, we'll, we will be discussing all of our favorite monster romances in honor of the end of the Halloween season. We're actually re-recording this episode <laughs> because my audio was garbage last time. Take two. Um, so we realized that Halloween has passed, but monster romance is really for the entire year, isn't it, Sam? It's a year-round love. Yes. Um, so some of these monsters that we'll be talking about today are spooky, but all of them are spicy. We've opted to include a trigger warning for this episode. Uh, there is discussion of kidnapping and dubcon. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. So like Ash said, this is take two of our Monster Romance episode. We had all the best intentions of getting this out for Halloween to end the spooky season. But, you know, I think uh, November 7th Monster Mash episode is <laughs> equally as wonderful as a Halloween Monster episode. Oh, I agree. And I was just so <laughs> mad because I felt like we like we brought so many hot takes and we were both <laughs> so funny. And then like, I'm pretty sure that you and I like just like cackled about something for like five minutes. Oh, we definitely just, did several times. We're just not going to get that. This is still going to be good, but just the magic of the first time. <laughs> you can never replicate that. Oh. Uh. So we want to start off the episode by really defining what we consider to be a monster romance. So we had a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a disagreement, but there was definitely uh, some differing, differing thoughts and opinions when it came to this definition. So when I am classifying a monster romance, I don't typically include werewolves or vampires in it, even though they definitely are monsters. Uh, just because they typically have, like, human forms, which allow them to have typical human sex. Most of the monsters we're going to be talking about in this episode have some special peens uh, or do not have a human-like form. So I feel like that kind of sets them apart as their own kind of subgenre of monster romance. Ash has some differing opinions. I feel like... I mean, there are romances that we'll be discussing today that they're able to have human forms. Like, they have a human form, and then they have, like, an actual monster form. And I actually, those might be some of my my favorite ones that we talk about in this mm -hmm. episode. Um, so, like, I mean, I, you know, monster romance spans all genres <laughs> monster romance is what you make it <laughs> yes that, there we go that's a, that's a, home is where you make it <laughs> uh, so in this episode we're going to be covering romances that include creatures like orcs minotaurs fae and elves that aren't human-like uh cryptids and so much more so if that sounds interesting to you or even if you're a little bit on the fence and you've never given monster romance a try, I would say stick around and see if anything sounds interesting to you. And if you haven't given monster romance a try, you need to seriously broaden those horizons. Those, that's like that's like the people who don't like to read, just do, don't like paranormal romance at all. Like, real life is fucking lame. I use books <laughs> to escape my real life. <laughs> Ugh. Gotta, gotta expand those horizons, people. So I did want to start off with some honorary mentions that we're not going to get into in this episode, but that we have talked about previously that do fall into this category. Uh, first and foremost, we have Run and Hide by Beatrix Hollow, which we talked about in our Halloween episode. An absolutely amazing book. Definitely a monster romance, specifically a monster reverse harem, and it's just wonderful. 
Um, A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor by Catherine Moon, another monster reverse harem that we also love. And technically, our alien romance episodes do meet the criteria that I set out. However, uh, we're just going to put those in a subcategory all on their own. Alien romance is its own thing, separate from the monsters with the special penis. They just have their alien penises over there in another category. I think it's safe to say if you come here from another planet where what you look like there is the norm... That would be alien romance and not a monster romance. Like yeah, if you're good differentiation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm still sad that I wasn't there for the run and hide episode because god damn that book is so good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Beatrix Hollow is just so talented at like creating these characters that are absolutely out of their minds but that you just root for no matter what like yes god caspian is crazy but i love him like when i was reading it and i read it in one like fucking day and i was like you guys caspian is everything (laughs) i'm pretty sure you and sarah were like oh my god can she like shut up about this fucking monster (laughs) book christ shut up about the stepbrother love Oh my gosh. Um, um, I seriously, those books are amazing. If you haven't checked them out yet, make sure you go and do that. All right. First book we're jumping into Morning Glory Milking Farm by CM Nascosta. Uh, this book blew up on TikTok a few months ago. Like right after all of the Ice Planet Barbarian hype, this was like the next book that everyone was obsessed with. And I think it is completely deserved. She does such a great job of building out this monster romance story with such an interesting premise into something that just feels like a regular romance. And it feels so, like, cozy and homey, and it's so nice. I love this story. Uh, But this story follows Violet, a human who has started a job for a pharmaceutical company that requires her to milk minotaurs of their semen for erectile dysfunction (laughs) medication. Uh, Violet meets Rourke through her job and quickly becomes fascinated with him and he with her. It's just a really cute romance and it would be pretty much just a vanilla love story except for the whole thing that Rourke is a minotaur and has a huge minotaur dick. That is really what sets it apart. And I really did love the cozy feels like of this book and the fact that the the creature i guess creatures would or monsters rather are like it's just like a normal thing mm-hmm. like I, you know i realize that where violet lives like in the city it's not as common but especially like in cambric creek for like the humans and monsters to be intermingling like that is like a very normal thing um and uh, yeah i just I loved it, and I thought that they were so adorable together. I mean, like I said before, in our the last time we recorded this, because <laughs> I have to mention it again, Violet was just kind of meh for me, but I fucking love Rourke. That, like, strong, dom, calming energy that he had. Like, oh, it's so good. I absolutely love the descriptions that she includes of Rourke, of, like, how soft his fur is, and, like, oh, like... She doesn't allow you to, like, forget that this is not a human being. Like, she very much puts it in your face that this is a minotaur. That's the love interest. And then, of course, there's all of the the comedy that she infuses. There's just the scene where... Violet is trying to give uh, Rourke a blowjob and she's like trying to fit this gigantic dick in her mouth and she starts gagging and he's like, you can't start gagging. I'm going to start gagging. And then it's like this cyclical (laughs) gagging and it's so funny. And I feel like uh, Sam Nascosta does such a great job of infusing comedy into her romances and it's so natural and it just is a really enjoyable read. 
Um, and also that makes me think of like when somebody else is throwing up and I'm with them and then I start gagging and like feeling <laughs> like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> like working in vet medicine, I have some fucking stories, but like, let's just say when like there's liquid diarrhea in a very small x-ray room, Ugh. like <laughs> I, was, I was working with a girl and she's just like gagging and I was like, you need to stop right now. <laughs> Because it's not like, it wasn't like the actual smell of it, but it was like her gagging was making me <laughs> gag. So I, yeah, I totally understand where Rourke was coming from. Um, and I have to say, I love, I'm not sure whether it's fan art that CM Nascasta has commissioned or if it's just fan art that fans have drawn, but I love seeing Rourke represented as kind of like a Highland cow just because he kind of has that messy hair on his forehead. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, oh, it's so cute. It's like <laughs> this hot minotaur man, but also this cute Highland cow at the same time. And I'm just, oh just does things for me. I see Ash wrote here, me trying to see if I can fit a soda can into my mouth. <laughs> you want to explain that, Ash? So this, this, uh, we, you and Sarah, or you had read this book before we went on our girl, on our, our on our girls weekend, which we're going to be discussing next. <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, uh, it's described that Rourke's dick is like as wide as a soda can. So it was like <laughs> me trying to see if I can fit a soda can in my mouth, like trying to like unhinge my jaw like a python to see if I could fit a soda can in my mouth. And fucking spoiler alert, can't do that. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, I don't know. I've always been pretty fucking weird, so it's fine. This is fine. <laughs> uh, moral of the story, we love this book. I, the Everything that CM Nascasta has written so far that I've read takes place in this world that she's created around uh, Cambrick Creek. So I really love like the attention and effort that she's put into building this world and like the amount of time and effort and thought that's obviously gone into the backstory she's created around this. Yeah, she's like, I mean, it takes a lot of effort to, you know, develop a whole world like that. But at the same time as an author, I think that it makes things easier that way. And it's so nice when you have side characters that your readers are interested in and you can kind of like, I don't know, develop this whole like world and universe and you know i don't know <laughs> really give people give the people what they want so speaking of that world and universe the second book uh that we're talking about is girls weekend also by cm nascasta that is set in the same world mm -hmm. So uh, Girls Weekend tells the story of three elven co-workers who all decide to go on a Girls Weekend trip to an orc nudist colony. <laughs> um, and Ash hasn't read this book. She's just heard my thoughts on it. Um, but the three elves have very different personalities and all find themselves in very different places throughout the weekend and after. Uh, the story jumps between their point of views quite a bit, which gets a little disorienting at times, and I was definitely much more interested in some point of views more than others. I was really interested in L'Oreal's love story. I loved seeing what was going on between her and her orc, and I was, like, really interested in Silva and how her character was developing throughout but I had so many mixed feelings on like the orc that she formed a love connection with that like by the end of the story, I was like a hundred percent rooting for L'Oreal. And then like the others, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to wait to see what happens in the next book. Yeah. I think that that's, I was, I mean, I haven't read the book obviously, but I feel like that's the worst when you're jumping around in like multiple POVs, but you're not really as interested in what's going on with the other characters. It actually brought me very, like, viscerally back to when I was reading The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants for the first time. <laughs> did you ever read that book? Yes, I did. So, like, you know how it's between all of the girls' points of views? All I cared about 
was the point of view of the girl who was at soccer camp who was like about to hooking ha- up with the soccer coach yes! guy. That was all <laughs> I cared about. That was we all just I cared wanted about. we just wanted Blake Live li- Lively Lively Blake Lively Blake Lively characters POV. That was all I cared about. I was having real bad flashbacks to that moment. <laughs> When you're thinking of of a fucking like contemporary sisterhood novel <laughs> <laughs> while you're reading an elven orc nudist colony book. <laughs> Speaking of, I feel like if you, Sarah, and I were not in relationships, we would totally go to like a nudist colony for a weekend. Like I, I feel like I would definitely be down for that. Honestly, as I was reading it, I was kind of like seeing because, I mean, it's three people who are on there and Yumi and Sarah are like the three amigos of Girls Weekend. So I was like, who would each of us be? And I was thinking in my mind, <laughs> I I felt like the very distinct characters kind of matched with what I was seeing, except like Silva. None of us. Silva is like grew up in like that prim and proper like. She has all these very high expectations because she's, like, from, like, a pure-blooded elf uh, family, and they all expect her to, like, marry an elven husband and have elven babies and meet all of these ridiculous expectations. Oh, this is the part where I said that they were racist the last (laughs) time we recorded. I was like, oh, so they're essentially racist is what you're saying. (laughs) Yes. It's like the pure-blood families in Harry Potter. Uh, But... Silva's whole romance is like centered around her trying to break out of the mold that her family has put her in, but then also feeling like she never wants to be a disappointment to her family. And like, I don't feel like any of us really fit into that mold. Like none of us really (laughs) grew up with any of those sort of expectations. (laughs) No, we did not. (laughs) So none of us could really be Silva. It was more just a split between uh, Riss and Loria. I disappointed my parents a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed this book overall. I was really invested in Luriel's love story. Luriel is actually Rourke's neighbor from Morning Glory Milking Farm. So this story kind of actually was a prequel to the different peaks that we get into her relationship in Morning Glory Milking Farm. So that was nice to see kind of like how everything started. Um but I'm interested to see where it goes because the way that it left off, it was kind of like a cliffhanger ending, especially for Silva and Riss and their love stories. So I'm interested to see where she decides to take it next. Yeah, I'll definitely have to add that one. To, I mean, it's on my TBR, but I'm going to have to bump it up because I just I can never get enough monsters. <laughs> You'll you'll love the different interactions. Riss like goes into the weekend with her sole goal being to be spit roasted by two orcs. <laughs> so she was like, "I'm down for this. I want to see what happens." Um, I feel like I was very interested in Luriel's story, but I kind of wonder if like different readers connected with different girls' point of view as they were reading based on their own life experiences. Like, I was never super sexually outgoing when I was single, but, like, that was 100% of Sarah. I thought you were going to say, I was never (laughs) spit-roasted. Well, I can also confirm that. Yes, that's true. I mean, you're just married. You're not dead. There's still time. (laughs) Uh, What I was going to say is that Riss's personality didn't really connect with me because that was never really me. But I wondered if Sarah had read this, if she would have connected with Riss at a deeper level than I would have. Or even if you would have as well. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So we'll have to wait and see when Ashley and Sarah read Girls Weekend if they uh, also connect with the character that wants to be spit roasted. (laughs) Sarah and I are going to be like, wow, Riss is a fucking shit. (laughs) 
So those were the two CM Nascosta stories that we wanted to include in this episode. We love her. I'm super excited to see what she's working on next. Uh, and next up, we have Carnal Cryptids by Vera Valentine. And I know that Ash wanted to introduce us to this story because she is friends with Vera. So tell us about Carnal Cryptids, Ash. Oh, right. Well, I did just want to say that, um, you know, Vera is an amazing author and she's a great friend and she's super motivational to everyone around her. So if you are a baby author, much like myself, definitely um, connect with her on Facebook. She posts like some very motivational stuff um, and she's just like an all around like cool and helpful person. So shout out to you, Vera. And this book is just this book is so amazing. I can't stress that enough. Uh, so this is a multi-POV story that focuses around our female main character, Desi. And she is a human. And she's what's known in this kind of world that Vera... Well, I guess it's our world, but, you know, with a twist. Um, so she's what's known as a believer. So she believes in the things that you kind of see out of the corner of your eye. So, I mean, I think we've all had those situations where we've been, like, maybe in the woods or you're alone in your backyard or it's dark out and you see you think that you see something but you can't really like confirm if it was there or not um and what Desi is is she believes you know that these things that we see out of the corner of our eyes so the cryptids um they she believes that they do exist and she can like supercharge them with that belief that she has um so she comes across three I guess we'll say men. <laughs> she comes th- across three guys. Uh, men JD, in quotation marks. <laughs> men. <laughs> comes across three men. And this is what I was referring to earlier in the episode when we were talking about, you know, monsters versus shifters. Um, so these three men are able to change their forms. Um and JD, Penn, and Will are their names. And she is like working as a barker on the boardwalk. Wow, I'm really fucking butchering this. Um, <laughs> this is much better the first time around. Uh, but anyway, JD, Penn, and Will are the three guys. Um, she meets JD at, he's like filling in at a bar that she frequents. Um, Will comes in and like the first scene that you have with Will and JD is that like she like catches them making out. Which was amazing! It's was so up Ash's alley right there. <laughs> it was so good! And like, Desi is so into it too. And I was like, yes, Vera, I'm living for this. Um, so she's just like having all these feelings like, you know, well, he was definitely flirting with me. And then like, I catch him making out this guy. And anyway. Um, so this is a reverse harem monster romance. The monsters are called concepts. Um, and in this case, they're famous cryptids. So we have Penn, who is the Mothman um, from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And then we have JD, which when I finally realized this, I was like, wow, I am a fucking idiot. JD it, stands it, for Jersey Devil. <laughs> Yes! And I was like, it took me a decent amount of time to get this. And when I got it, I messaged Vera and was like, holy shit, JD stands for Jersey Devil. I was like, you are so cunning. And then there's Champy. He's a lake monster from Lake Champlain. That's Will. Um, And he is this little cutie, little, like, he just is the sweetest little green-haired angel I like I love him um so the three guys they've been around for a long time so they obviously have an established and loving relationship within their triad and they're interested in adding Desi to their relationship in order to save Will because as we said that level of belief kind of like charges the cryptids and it keeps them alive but because will is such like an old cryptid and his lore is kind of fading and champy's kind of turned into more of like a cutesy i can't remember what like the t-shirts with him on it say but it's like cute he's like a little motivational mascot for the area now (laughs) yes um, but which I also feel like is adorable. But he Will is basically dying, and 
JD is able to kind of siphon off some of the belief from Penn and bring it to Will because he is an incubus as the Jersey Devil and he, you know, is able to do that sort of thing. So there's a ton of plot and relationship building into one book and it all occurs over a three week span. But the whole thing with the concept and believer relationships is that they move at a different speed. So it's kind of like when your concepts and you find your believer, things are going to progress for you really quickly and you're going to form a bond together like fairly fast. Um, and then like the first night that Desi goes over there, like they have like a little date night where she goes over their house, which is adorable. Things definitely progress. So if you're looking for something that's like, spicy and fast burn this is a good one Mm -hmm. um there are lots of interesting peens to see here um (laughs) and this is what something that i wanted to add to like if you ever have any sex toy questions vera is um i I think that she used to do um fuck is it what's it copywriting for like a sex toy company so she like knows her shit wow that's Um, fascinating I know. And so she like did like a really cool giveaway. Um, I think it was, was it Will's peen? Yeah, it was like a, it was a replica, a, a replica <laughs> of Will's peen that she like raffled off. So that was pretty cool. Um, but there's tons of special peens. We got knots, these like clasper things that Penn has that are also like very sensitive um, there's tentacle like tail penetration. There's just so many like good things happening. <laughs> um, and in short, like I fucking love this book so much. Um, I love that the three guys were already in an established relationship, but then like adding Desi to the group was also like a joint decision that everybody agreed on and was cool with. Um, initially JD was my favorite, but at the end of the book, I was all about Will and Penn. Um, Penn just has this dominating daddy energy. And when JD calls Penn moth daddy, I died. <laughs> like I just, I was no fucking good. Like it was so good. Um, and yeah, you are introduced to some characters. Desi has a friend named Jess and you're introduced to Dove in this book, who is also a concept. And yeah, I can't wait for the next book because I want to learn more about them. And Vera has an amazing writing style and you should definitely check her out. I, I absolutely loved, first of all, Desi's personality was great. I loved, um, how realistic it really came across of like her interpretation of everything that was going on and her friendship with Jess and like very much her like go with the flow mentality. I really liked Desi a lot. Um, I also really liked how this was not really a classic reverse harem. This was much more of what you consider to be like a polyamorous relationship more in the fact that uh, since all three of the guys already had an established relationship and they were inviting Desi into it. It really comes across more as like, this is just a relationship that's happening between all four people rather than it being centered around Desi. And I kind of liked that more with it feeling like everyone has like mutual love and respect for each other. Yeah. I like, I also really appreciate that. And I definitely think that that's the direction that, that most or at least, like, progressive reverse harem authors are going in, you know? Like, that's why I think I've started to call Vera, like, a poly, like, you know, mm-hmm. pseudo megaverse Because I just think it's more fitting than, like, just saying, like, oh, this is a reverse harem. Yeah. Most definitely. But, um, their relationship was adorable. And I could have, like, I mean, I love Desi, but, like, I could have also just read, like, just a straight up male, male, male with the three of them because they were so precious i i really liked how and ash and i argued about this in the last uh episode that we recorded but i really appreciated the fact that uh she had desi like make them grovel a little bit at one point in the book and like 
take some time away from them and like be her own person and think about whether or not this was the right decision for her. I appreciated the fact that she took that step because I felt like one, it had a lot of emotional payoff at the end and two, like it felt a lot more authentic that way instead of like everything being immediately fine two seconds later. So I, I really appreciated like that time apart and like the emotional buildup that went along with it. This book definitely made me cry. Absolutely. <laughs> and the time that they took apart was cute. Like, at, like we said the last time that we recorded is <laughs> 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 like, <clears throat> JD like giving her his Putinesca recipe and like they had cleaned her pasta make like maker presser. yeah it's a pasta maker yeah I don't know I don't fucking cook so whatever <laughs> <laughs> um and I thought that that was really cute what I think that we like we disagreed on that and what did we also disagree on like the scaring too was that what we disagreed on yeah we were you were talking about how you felt like it was a hundred percent like warranted and necessary and I was just like uh I felt like they took it too far and that she was it was warranted that she needed time away from them yeah, yeah 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 and I get that but I think that part of it too is like especially for Will when he gets that surge of power, like, I, I feel like he almost gets a high off of it. And, like, he just is totally consumed by it. Like, when he, like, um comes, like, is it the closet or he, the, just the doorway in general? And, like, there's, like, water sloshing around the room and shit. Mm -hmm. I think it was just, like, he hadn't had that sort of, like, belief in a long time. And it was just, like, too much. But them in the lake was really cute. Yes, it was. All right. So absolutely check out this book. Uh, is this her first book, Ash? No, this is her second book. Gotcha. Um, her first one, I think, is Stowaway and Silent Song, which is, uh, I think, I don't know if it's going to be an RH or if it's just going to stay a menage, but I think it's two humans and, like, um, maybe uh it's just a, a man siren, I'm, I'm assuming that's what he is. <laughs> I have to look at the cover again. But, yeah, I would love to have Vera on the podcast sometime and she can tell us about everything that she's written. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next book is Stalked by the Kraken by Lillian Lark. I love Lillian Lark so freaking much <laughs> her tiktoks are my favorite she has the cutest sweater collection i literally find myself liking every single one of her tiktoks so i can add everything to my tbr like if lillian says i should read it i'm going to assume that it's good like i trust <laughs> lillian lark's recommendations yeah and i'm not as like into tiktok as you and sarah are but i've definitely seen a few and her sweater collection is fucking adorable <laughs> and her and i are goodreads friends love it so uh we did briefly mention this book in one of our alien episodes but it definitely deserves a place of honor in this episode uh, it is just such an awesome representation of monster romance done well and we just love lillian so much um, this story is full of sex positive thinking and a message about accepting yourself for who you are and recovering from an emotionally and verbally abusive relationship. This story follows Rose, who is a witch with a matchmaking power who runs her family's bathhouse that functions as a power transfer location. The gist is that magical couples have sex in the bathhouse. The bathhouse consumes that power and stores it. And then they're able to sell that power for profit. Uh, Gideon is a kraken who is ancient and powerful. Uh, he actually has no idea how old he is. He is that old. Uh, just when you're so old that you're just like, <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. He, he's forgotten. He's too, he's too old to remember how old he is. Uh, I feel like that's me sometimes. <laughs> He immediately recognizes Rose as his mate and begins stalking her to get to know her before courting her in an effort to satisfy the beast inside of him. And we love Gideon so much. And oh my God, tentacles, so many tentacles in this book. <laughs> and we definitely had 
did we read this? We read this after we read A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that was kind of like our tentacle awakening um, when it there's like that Kikamori. Is that? Uh, that sounds that right. Of, yeah. When there's that Kikamori scene. Which I am hoping in a company of fe- in the company of fiends, I'm, I'm hoping that we get more of that because I'm totally here for it. But <laughs> I I definitely feel like the way that tentacles were done in this book, it was good for me and it didn't scare me. It wasn't like um like a hentai tentacle porn. Mm-hmm. Like it was just it was nice tentacles. So thank you, Lillian, for opening my mind. <laughs> We were definitely hesitant going in, and then we did the group read, and we were like, no, this was good. This was good. We were like, yeah, Gideon is just fucking so adorable, and, like, that, like, claiming and breeding, like, just that protectiveness of him, like, oh, so good. Uh, He has this whole thing, like, Gideon definitely has a breeding kink, 100%. And he is like trying. I don't even know what you what do you call him trying to like fill her with his tentacle? Like what kind of kink even is that when you want to like put as much of yourself into someone else as possible? (laughs) I'm sure that's like one of our listeners. There has to be a name for this. Like I'm positive. Yeah, there definitely has to be. And I feel like as like someone who's like in the Omegaverse world like I'm sure that this is a common thing like (laughs) so I'm gonna look into this but yeah like put all your things in all the holes all of it (laughs) Uh, I just love the sex positivity in this book there's like no shame at all when it comes to sex. Rose is so open about her sexuality. She and that's something that she's actually grappling with throughout the book is the fact that her ex would try to shame her about her sexual expression and like about what she does for a living. And she isn't a sex worker. She wor- she works in the bathhouse doing her matchmaking and like helping to run the bathhouse with her brother. But she would participate in different uh, acts in the bathhouse whenever she felt drawn to it or felt comfortable doing so. And she was, like, really shamed about that by her ex. So this really... Lillian spent a long time, like, unpacking a lot of the shameful ideas that a lot of people have surrounding the act of sex. And I really appreciated that she took the time to do that. Yeah, I agree. And I... As someone who has been uh, very sexually adventurous that I feel like, you know, like I've had a lot of women like be like, oh, like she's like such a slut um, in my life. And then like finding that person that accepts you for like who you are as a person and accepts your sexuality and like the things that you're into. I mean, like, I don't know. My husband is like fucking amazing. And yeah, so I think that. I love that Gideon is, like, cool with things. There's, like, a very good scene at the mm-hmm. end of the book. <laughs> um, but I I think that I really resonated a lot with Rose's character, and I loved the sex positivity, and, I mean, it just, it really gave me, like, that Esther, like, Rooksgrave Manor vibes. And mm-hmm. I, could, I could just, I can't get enough of books with sex positive female main characters and then like you know supportive partners so if you have any good recommendations like that listeners i would love that all right so moving right along we have feed by aveda vice uh this is a super short novella prequel to an upcoming series i believe it comes out december 2nd for the first book um it is focused on a succubus and a hawk's head moth fae in a one night stand encounter and they are co-workers who don't normally get along and basically the succubus is using this uh app service that she's able to hire people to feed from um since that is something that is required to her as a succubus and uh our wonderful fae uh it's pie right mm-hmm. pie shows up they uh are <laughs> the succubus wasn't expecting pie 
but she is immediately drawn to them. Pi is a non-binary character who uses a combination of both he and they pronouns, and that's used throughout the book. Um, he, they, whatever. Yep. Uh, and it is... It's a really hot story. It starts off with her just feeding energy from them, and it progressively uh, turns into a whole lot more than that. And it's just, oh, my God. (laughs) I am so glad that you were like, hey, this is really quick. Like, just read it right before the episode. So I literally read it that morning before the episode and fucking devoured it. Mm. Um. But uh, it's so good, and I love the tension that there is between Avrin and Pi. It's it's one of those things where you could tell that they're both interested in each other, but they both like really get under one another's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we talked about in the last episode, like you can tell. I believe that Avrin says that she has autism, and then. Pi likes to get under her skin, but in a way to kind of push her and, like, push her boundaries in a professional setting. Um, And, you know, that's why he is so confrontational and difficult. And I I loved their relationship and how, you know, they've both been battling with this tension. And then, like, when he finally shows up on her doorstep, like, because of the app, oh, just... So good. And that scene where they're, like, flying and fucking at the same time. Mm. Like, just, I'm dead. Dead. So much of it is so hot. Like, this this awakened something in me. Let me tell you. (laughs) The the whole collaring thing was like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's big in, like, old school Megaverse, too, Sam. I should try to find you some of that. Yes, please. Uh, there is just something about Mothman that is so hot, and I can't explain it, but oh my god. Yeah, like, Pi is a Mothman, and JD is a Mothman, and, like, Mothman and Run and Hide, even mm-hmm. though he's kind of, like, the sillier of the three Mothmen, but still <laughs> just as <drawings>. good. <laughs> Wrong hole. <laughs> I, that literally lives rent-free in my brain, like, at all times. Not the peeing comment. It's the oops, wrong hole. <laughs> God. I wonder how many times that's been highlighted. I'm going to have to go, <laughs> go and see if anybody else finds it as funny as we do. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, Ash and I have realized that we definitely have a thing for Mothmen. I feel like they're little furry, feathery antennas. Like, I want to feel them so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when Desi's talking about pens, like, coming out of his hair, like, I'm like, oh. Oh. (laughs) Tickle me with those. (laughs) All right. We need to move on. (laughs) Anyway... So our last two books that we're going to talk about are both orc romances. Uh, the first one is Finding Her Luck by Iso Ellen. And goddamn was this book a ride. Uh, our main character is Corin. Uh, Corin is stolen from her home by raiders. And then when those raiders are attacked by the orky whose lands they trespassed on, Corin is taken once again as redress. Corin is redress. Uh <laughs> Corin. Over and over and <laughs> over. Corin is carried back to the Orky homeland and learns quickly the rules of being an Orky war bride. I feel like quickly might have been a bit of an overstatement because it takes a lot of repetition. A um, lot of spanking. Her Orky, Arcuri, has no problem telling Corin when she needs to mind her own business and reminding her that she doesn't understand the customs or the people that she has been thrown into. Uh, Corin has a difficult time adjusting, and as someone who has been told her whole life that she doesn't have any luck, she puts it all down to the fact that she continues to have terrible luck. Uh, through Corin's eyes, we learn a lot about Orky people and about her relationship with Urkuri and the significance of her role as a war bride. There's so much spanking. <laughs> there is, but I love it. And it was like... No, Corin minds own business. Corn is redress. 
Corin <laughs> keeps eyes on self. Like it was over and over and over again. Like him, like throwing her in the cold stream. Corin's stinky. <laughs> I also think about that a lot. I don't know why. I I was the first one to read this book, and I just remember texting you both that I thought that these moments were so fucking funny. Like, him just being like, will you please learn to mind your own business and keep your eyes on yourself, please? Well, that's what I love, too. Like, it, it's not like, you know, Orkuri, like, went through this whole thing where he was like, I'm going to teach her all of our customs. He's just like, mind your business. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved that. <laughs> It's just like, this is how it is. Like, don't watch those other people fucking over there. Mind your own business. Yeah. Um, if I've learned anything from every orc <laughs> book I've read is that orcs all have huge dicks and all produce an incredible amount of semen. Like, it's so much. It's so much all the time. All the semen. Just <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> Buckets. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> but I really like the relationship between the Orky and their, like, um, dog, familiar, wolf, hybrid, mount thing. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember the name, but the telepathic bond that they had was really cool. The Orky and the familiar and... Corin drinking its milk. It was just like, it it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> My notes say it was weird, but I liked it. But I don't know why so I said weird. that I. Li- oh, but I don't know why I said I like. <laughs> I liked it. So do I have like a weird fetish that I'm not aware of? <laughs> like I said, these books have us discovering a lot of things about ourselves. <laughs> Shit. How many Finley Fen orc books did I read in a row? It was like three of them <laughs> read oh in a gosh. row. So, Just... speaking of Finley Fen, the next book is The Lady and Her Orc by Finley Fen. Uh, another orc book that centers around our main character being taken as a captive war bride. Uh, seem- it's like an ongoing theme in orc books. It uh, likes this- to take oh. what's not theirs. Yeah, they do. In this book, our main character, Jewel, is married to a complete asshole of a man who can't oh, deal with the fact douche. that she can't that he can't get her pregnant. Yep. He he's such a complete piece of shit. Uh and I, my note says he does have plenty of illegitimate children outside of their marriage though, so he yeah. is like convinced that she is is barren. I always hate that term. No, same. Uh, so he leaves her unprotected on purpose, uh, and, like, goes into town when he knows that the orcs are, like, around, and, of course, the orcs break in and take her, and the chief wants to take her as a wife to get revenge on her husband for his treatment of orcs. Um, throughout this book, there is so much back and forth between Jewel and Grimar, where sometimes it feels as though they're making progress towards treating one another with respect and communicating better, and then one of them will do something to hurt the other, usually being Grimar, and then it's right back to square one, and it's so frustrating. Like, it's like, oh, yes, they're finally communicating with one another. Grimar is finally, like, treating her with the smallest amount of kindness, and then, like... Two pages later, he's berating her in front of all the rest of the orcs. And you're just like, what the fuck, dude? And I will say that this is a common theme for all of these orc books by Finley Fenn. So if you like that, like, miscommunication trope, um, this will be for you. But, like, the orcs are just conniving shits. They hide things. Like... They're very, very, very intelligent, and well, I feel like most of them are very, very intelligent, I'll say that. Um, but, you know, if they would have just been straightforward with each other from the fucking beginning, we could have avoided so much shit. Mm-hmm. But I, I still liked it a lot. <laughs> so, 
going with the theme that I noticed in the other book, again, so much <laughs> semen in this book. At one point, it is literally referred to as geysering out of her. And I cannot, cannot wrap my head around how you could possibly clean that up before going to bed. Like, they're just sleeping in a pool of semen every night. And I believe that I said just, like, crunchy blankets. <laughs> you did say that last time we were And I also believe that I said that Orc Mountain was actually just made out of cum. <laughs> you did also say that. <laughs> It's, it's still just as funny the second time. I wish you guys, I wish you guys could have heard it when it was happening in real time. Luckily, I'm vain enough that I remember some of my own fucking jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck, it's so much cum. So if you have like a cream pie fetish, this is fucking for you, man. The book for you. I just think there's something about Mary. <laughs> <laughs> With Billy Carey Joe come. <laughs> that could be your existence with orcs. Oh my god. Oh. Uh, it does have an eventual happy ending, but it is an emotional roller coaster of a book. And it is. It really takes you for a loop. And guys, you know that I never cry. Well, this book, it got me there. Which I realized talking about geyser and cum, you didn't think it was going to be this one. <laughs> Neither did I, but it happened. Oh. Much like much like geysers of cum just happened. <laughs> it just happened. Fuck me. Uh, this book made Sarah and I really nauseous because they were talking about like feeding on the semen of the orcs. And Sarah was like, nope. Can't do it. Absolutely not. Okay, okay. I was like, I am here for the good tasting semen. I wish that this was a thing. Like, fucking please. I would definitely give more blowjobs if semen tasted good. Like, fuck. What do I I have to do to make that a thing? Why hasn't a scientist fucking figured that shit out yet? Because most scientists aren't tasting cum that often. Yeah, most scientists are just making the working to make things better for men and not for women. It's not it's not on the top of their priority list. <laughs> Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> um meanwhile, many women live their entire life without ever having orgasmed. Oh god, those poor women. Right? Oh, I, Chris and I had that conversation the other day. He was like, yeah, but there's plenty of serial killers who are, like, impotent. And I was like, nah, I wouldn't say that it's the same. (laughs) 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 All right. Final thoughts on monster books. Uh, Sometimes you're just in the mood for a strange peen, and that's okay. Uh, If you haven't tried out any monster books, I highly recommend giving them a shot just to see if it is something that interests you. You never know until you try. Yeah, and I am just like a proud monster fucker over here. 2021 has been the year where I embraced my weirdness and read some shit that I probably would have made fun of in the past. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, shout out to IPB for doing that for a lot of people. I mean, can we talk about those original covers? Like, yeah. bef- old me would have just been like, nah. <laughs> but it really opened me up, and I'm glad that it did, because I've I've really read some great books and me- met some amazing authors. Uh, IPB is just opening the world of strange peens up to everyone, and I love it. Give me that spur. <laughs> All right. So what are we reading this week? Um, So obviously we have two weeks uh, worth of reading to catch you up on. So this past week I read Feed, Girls Weekend, and Carnal Cryptids for this episode. I also read Little Dove by Layla Frost on Sarah's recommendation, and it was so fucking good. I think Sarah holds that book partially responsible for kicking off her uh, 
daddy complex. Um, <laughs> Which is still going strong, by the way. I saw that today she was reading another one of those Montana daddy-like yep. books. Yep. Uh, I also read Feral Sins by Suzanne Wright as a buddy read with Ash. Uh, this week, I read Her Soul for Revenge by Harley LaRue. Uh, that was my Halloween read, and I absolutely loved it. I cannot stress enough how nice it is to have a female main character who wasn't annoying the shit out of me the entire book. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, reading from her point of view. I also have been reading uh, Marianne Zapata's uh, sports romances. Specifically, I'm reading Culty right now, but I also read... Um, from Luke Off with Love and The Wall of Winnipeg and Me. And every single one of them has made me cry. Uh, oh, my God. They're all so good. They are all so slow burn. Ashley would hate them. But I love them so fucking much. And I just i am going to have to read every single one of her books. That's the only thing that I'm going to ha- be able to do. Um I also read the new Madison Kate novella that just came out, Vaults, just to see if I was missing anything important. It was fine. It was. Were fine. there any plot holes in it? I mean, it it seemed more like an excuse for her to like throw in more backstory that should have been in the original series. <laughs> like, you're gonna give me all this backstory on Kodiak Jones now in this 100 page novella? Okay, that's fine. Oh, I think I said her name wrong. It's Mary Mariana or Mariana Mariana Zapata. But anyway, her books are amazing. They're all sports romances. Uh, the Wall of Winnipeg and Me is football. From Lukov with Love is ice skating, and Culty, the one I'm reading right now, is a soccer romance. And like I said, super slow burn. Not really spicy until like the last ninety percent. But, oh no! Yeah, no, like, no, no! Not up Ashley's, not up Ashley's alley at all. She would not enjoy these, but I love them so much. We also know I don't like sports romances, really. Exactly. Says this some, is this is not Ashley's forte at all. It says some someone who's written a semi sports romance. <laughs> uh Anyway, I read a ton of stuff during my break from the pod, and it's like fucking way too much to list um i was really consumed by the experiment and terror series by karina hale for a while and i do plan on finishing that i'm gonna jump back into that at some point i abandoned ship with feral sins because it was just like it was too descriptive for me and like you said like some of the phrases that the female main character used were just like fucking annoying oh god and she's annoying (laughs) I was also annoyed that Trey and Taryn just didn't say how they fucking felt to, about one another. Like, <laughs> fuck. It, and I just, I also feel like if your wolf fucking likes the other person, like, just fucking suck that shit up, man. Like, I don't know. It just annoyed me. And then, um, I, did I, what did I, I didn't really read that much this week. Cause like, I don't know. I like walked out of my job on the last day like I was like three minutes away from my job and then decided like some shit went down and I was like nope I'm not coming um anyway I read Omega's Gambit by Flora Quincy and I'm not really someone who's into Regency like I wouldn't say that that's my thing like I watched Bridgerton and I loved it but like I've never really read like a lot of Jane Austen or any like bodice rippers or anything like that but I loved this book. I loved Viola and Scion. Like, it's just the tension that Flora creates between the two of them. And then when you finally get to, like, some of, like, steamy shit starts happening, it's so fucking good. So if you've never read any of Flora's books, you should check them out because she's amazing. And she has some, um, she has the next books in the series coming out soon. And I don't know what I'm going to read. What am I going to read, Sam? Definitely not a slow burn sports romance. <laughs> Definitely not a slow burn sports <laughs> romance. And yeah, I realized that my like list was kind of vague. If you want to keep up with me, I also am on Goodreads, so find me there. Uh, that's where I go. That's where I go to to find out what I read for the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
thanks for joining us this week and sticking with us through our re-recording. Uh, next week, we are going to be interviewing author Beatrix Hollow. So keep an eye out for that interview. We're very excited to talk to her. Any other last thoughts before I take us to the outro, Ash? I appreciate all of you so much and thank you for being patient while we had our technical difficulties because like Sam and I both have full-time jobs so if we're like oh yeah we're just gonna re-record this during the week that's like a very difficult thing and then Sam has to like go through all of the editing but thank you for your patience and I am so excited to have Beatrix on the podcast next week. So if you guys have any questions that you would like us to ask her, please reach out to us on our social media platforms. Um, Sam is active on the TikTok. I'm active on the Instagram. Uh, we have an email and reach out to us. You can also find us over at Beatrix's group if you have a question that you'd like to ask there. All right, perfect. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we will be interviewing author Beatrix Hollow so we can talk about all her fantastic monster reverse harems and what her plans are for the future. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Bye!